Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. Yeah, we're usually going to the draft with a lot of expectations and Honestly, I, I, I missed a lot of those mock drafts, so I'm not really that familiar with where everybody was and wasn't going. Um, so we just just try to do the best we can to help our football team. That's what we did today. That's what we've done in the past, and that's what we'll do tomorrow and on Saturday. Well, there's Bill Belichick right there taking questions after the first day of the NFL draft. I guess Belichick didn't see all those great, crazy mock drafts you posted on Patriots Wire, Henry. I was a little disappointed, to be honest, uh, to hear that he wasn't paying attention to any of that stuff. Oh, you know he was. <laughs> yeah, he he was on Patriots Wire every week being like, what is Henry drawing up this week for us? I think he was. I don't think you're, I don't think you're going out on a limb there. I think Belichick was paying attention because I think he knows that Henry McKenna was all over Mac Jones to the Patriots. I want to sit here and give you a lot of props to start off the show, Henry. I mean, you nailed this. Uh, weeks ago, you talked about on this very pod, you called Mac Jones to the Patriots almost too perfect of a fit because of the kind of player he is, how he's kind of a, a processor, a guy who can be accurate. We can get the short passing game going, all that stuff. You know, I mean, he just, it was just too much of a perfect fit. It just fits what the Patriots want to do with Matt, uh, Josh McDaniels. And then even in the uh, in the draft wire mock draft that came out before the draft, the week of the draft, with all the NFL wire editors, Mac Jones falls to you at number 15, and you take him. And you say, well, guys, if you're going to give me Mac Jones, I got to take him. And Belichick did the exact same thing. So I, I was chuckling as they made the selection. I'm like, Henry freaking nailed it. Yeah, I, I was hardly the only person to predict it, but sure. I was definitely on that train early and... Uh, so early that I started overthinking it and I started doing crazy stuff like <laughs> trading stuff on Gilmore and JC Jackson during mock drafts. Which I, I love bored. you for. Yeah, it gave us some yes. content leading into the draft. So that was that was it great. Was it way was way too much, much fun. Appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it just it always made a lot of sense. I think Mac Jones is not a mobile guy. And so I, right now the NFL might be overvaluing mobility. There's this thought that the NFL is changing and your quarterback has to be mobile in order to be the franchise guy. And I just don't know that that's true. Like ultimately your quarterback's there to, to throw the football and Mac Jones is a really good thrower. Now he's not, he doesn't have the upside that Trey Lance had and, that's obvious. I mean, Trey Lance as a thrower is, well, Trevor Lawrence is up there. Obviously, he went first overall, but Trey Lance is just a truly special talent. That's why he went third. Mac Jones is a special personality, disposition. He's got crazy work ethic. He worked for Saban, so you know he can handle like intense scrutiny, intense pressure, intense expectations. Um, because in Alabama, they expect you to win a national championship every year. And that's exactly what he did in his single season as a starter. So there's a lot to like about, you know, who he is. And then when you watch him on the field, he set a a collegiate record for completion percentage, just a very accurate player when put in the right opportunity to succeed, he will 
succeed at a preposterously high level. I mean, the the completion percentage was um, 77.4. He had 4,500 yards. He had, I believe, 41 touchdowns and four interceptions. So just, a, I think, just a special player in college. And then, you, and then you, you see a lot of things that should help him excel in New England, a place where they built an offense around a prospect that had a lot of the same qualities as Mac Jones. That guy's name was Tom Brady. Now, I'm not saying that Mac Jones is Tom Brady, and I made fun of Mel Kuyper on this podcast. Uh, Mel Kuyper is an NFL draft analyst for ESPN, probably the most famous one there is. He was comparing Mac Jones to Tom Brady, and obviously they're not the same. But, like, you know, he's in that same category. Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, right? These sort of pocket passers that are – just adept at making enough space in the pocket, creating a throwing lane, executing the throwing lane. Ultimately, that's what you you need for a good passing offense, whether the guy's rolling out and hitting guys on the run or whether they're just standing in the pocket. So I think the Patriots um, are going to set up Mac Jones to succeed, and it's a really good match. Basically, Mac Jones had only good teams interested in him. The Saints wanted him. They were thinking about trying to trade up for him. The 49ers were interested in him. They had traded up to three with the thought that if if their research on the other quarterbacks didn't go well, they were going to take Mac Jones, and then they fell in love with Trey Lance. So he lands with New England, uh, where I think he could very much be you know, one of the best 10 quarterbacks in the NFL in, let's say, two years. Yeah, I think what, you know, what we get is we get a plan at quarterback, right? We've been like begging for a plan. We know Cam Newton's our quarterback right now, but we don't we you know, we really don't have a quarterback we believe in past twenty twenty one. And now we have that guy. It's Mac Jones. And, you know, I fully expect him to have the reins handed to him next year as the starting quarterback. This year, I think that's pretty far fetched. I think this is really Cam Newton's team. Uh, and we can get into that. But I do think Mac Jones, we got we got a plan. And I gotta be you know, what I said when we were talking about Mac Jones, and we did it plenty on the pod going in, when we were on this topic, I talked about how if Belichick makes that pick, I'm all for it because it means that Nick Saban thinks he's a special player. I don't think I don't think Bill Belichick's making this pick without Saban's blessing. They're really tight, and I just feel like that makes me like the pick even more. The fact that Mac Jones, as you said, is a Saban guy, an Alabama guy, and I just don't think Belichick's making the pick unless Saban loves him. So I'm all in, but it's hard to test the water right now on Patriots fans, Henry. I think... It's hit or miss. This wasn't as sexy as the Bears moving up to draft Justin Fields at number 11, right? I mean, that was just plain sex, like from every, every, from every angle. Like even Justin Fields, he, he looked much better with the shirt off too, just chiseled, right? He is the definition of sex appeal. And he goes to the Bears and the Patriots just stay put at number 15 and kind of just draft for their biggest need quarterback number 15. They draft Mac Jones and... They showed Jones walking up to the podium. He's kind of like power walking like my mom would be doing like when she goes for her exercise. You know, he's power walking to the podium to get to Roger Goodell. It's just the opposite of sex appeal. So I kind of understand why Patriots fans were a little hot and bothered by this one. But for me, I, even if it's not the sexiest pick in the world, I'm all for it. I think I think Belichick has it on good authority that this kid can be the guy. And I think we have a plan in place for our next quarterback. And thank God for that. That's something we absolutely needed. So. I'm feeling pretty good about this one. Yeah, I think you're right to point out that 
Saban probably put the a very firm stamp of approval on Mac Jones. Otherwise, Belichick wouldn't have felt good about taking him there. The weird thing that you kind of hear about this pick, though, the Jets jump in front of the Patriots to get guard Elijah Vera Tucker. The Patriots weren't interested in trading up to protect Mac Jones, so the, the Saints kept trying to get into the picks ahead of the Patriots to take him, and they just couldn't find a trade partner. But the Patriots were happy to take Zayvon Collins at 15, the linebacker, at 15 if they didn't get Mac Jones. So it's sort of a weird situation where, like, you know, during the mock draft that I wrote, I was kind of like, well, you guys are going to let this guy drop to the Patriots? Like, obviously, I'm going to take him. Right. Um, I kind of feel like the Patriots were like, you guys let this guy drop to us? Like, obviously, we're going to take him. It's like you're saying where you look look at the other quarterback prospects and you get really excited about watching them play, their physical abilities. Um, they all have something sort of special. I mean, Justin Fields runs 4-4 speed and has really nice touch. And, and uh, Zach Wilson has a rocket. And Trey Lance has a rocket. And Trevor Lawrence is one of the best pinpoint passers we've seen, period. So there's just like those guys have a wow factor. Mac Jones has no wow factor. And obviously when he got picked, those pictures of him without a shirt on where he's just like dad bod uh, made all those comparisons to Tom Brady's dad bod when he came out of Michigan. You know, it's just interesting, I guess, with all of these things we're talking about. The Patriots were like, okay, yeah, we'll take him. But but they weren't like, we've got to get him. Right. It's a good point. Right. They even Belichick, when he was asked about trading up, he just said, well, you know, you know, someone's got to pick at 13. Someone's got to pick at 14. And then we were picking at 15. It's like, what the hell are you talking about, Bill? That doesn't answer the question. What are you, what are you even saying? But yeah, he had, he just had no interest, Henry, right? He was going to be like, if you guys are going to let this kid fall to me, we'll take him. But if not, they probably would have moved in another direction and we'd be sitting here with no plan at quarterback. So Henry, your, your mock drafts are so fun. They're, you know, you're trading Stephon Gilmore, you're trading J.C. Jackson, trading draft picks, moving all around the board. The Patriots only made one trade in this entire draft, and it was in the second round. Let's get to that pick coming up next. All right, Henry, I wanted to get your take on a couple things, including Christian Barmore, another Alabama guy in the second round. So it just seems like Belichick is really honing in on his boy Nick Saban in Alabama. And... I get that. Like this year, it was kind of tough to kind of gauge this talent pool, right? It was a weird offseason. Guys opting out. Guys not playing a lot of football. No combine. Like this was a different kind of draft, right? And it seemed like Belichick really leaned on his boy, uh, you know, at least for the first two rounds. And uh, Saban in Alabama, he goes and gets Barmore. This is a guy that was kind of graded first round everywhere I saw. He was kind of going late first round. Belichick moves up to pick number 38 and uh, snags him. At the time, this seemed like a freaking steal. Everyone was praising the Patriots, but it does seem like Barmore, there are some people that are down on him, including Warren Sapp, right? I mean, uh, what, what do you think about Barmore and some of the stuff that's come out since this pick? He's a typical Bill Belichick second rounder. Barmore, like so many of the guys we've seen Belichick take in the second round, he is one of the best players in the draft with some of the biggest questions in the draft. So, you know, we've seen like Kyle Duggar, one of the best players in the draft, but he played at D2. So 
there was significant questions about whether he was going to naturally translate to the NFL. Look at Rob Gronkowski, one of the most dominant players in the draft, had questions about his back after a number of surgeries in college. There, the, the list just goes on and on. It's I a mean, great point. It, yeah, the, he always is picking these kind of interesting right. head scratchers. Uh, you know, often they're head scratchers yeah. in the second round. Yeah, Razai Dowling. That's, is that's one that example. comes to mind. Yes, of course. Cyrus Jones is another guy. So Barmore has those questions, and it's not physical. It's actually, uh, from what it sounds like, it's a it's a mental question. People are wondering, can he handle the rigors of the NFL? Is he going to work hard enough? Um, and is he committed enough to being, you know, one of the best? And before the draft, a lot of these questions were coming up where the agent was kind of being, you know, the agent was being forthcoming and being like, this guy needs structure. And you look at Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp worked out with Christian Barmore. And Barmore was absolutely not impressive, according to Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp said openly that this guy does not belong in the first round. If he lands in the first round, he will never talk about football for a whole year or some like crazy promise like that. <laughs> he and, was right. <laughs> and he was right, but also not not far from being wrong with the Patriots trading up to get Barmore at 38. So right, right. they clearly felt like he was special. And, you know, people – We've already done one overly lofty draft comparison in this podcast, so I'm going to do another. But people kind of liked the comparisons of Aaron Donald and Christian Barmore, just ooh, sort of like ooh, ooh. don't don't do it to me, Henry. I know. Well, like it's obviously Aaron Donald is going to go down as one of the best players to ever play the position, just like Tom Brady is. So obviously these these comps are sort of like basically completely unfounded, but um, it's there's just a style of play, I think, that you kind of want to, that, that, that I want to point toward, right? These They're the archetypes, and you want this player to um, shoot for that archetype, if that makes sense, right? Like, when you're trying to get Matt, the best out of Mac Jones, you're like, we want you to watch Tom Brady and do exactly as he does. And you're not going to be as good, but that's what you're shooting for. And the same is sort of true, I think, of, Christian Barmore and Aaron Donald. But the problem is if you have a guy like Barmore who is somewhat inconsistent on the field and it sounds like somewhat inconsistent off the field, then you're going to have a hard time making the most out of the prospect. So it will be interesting to see how Barmore develops, if he develops. And if he doesn't, then it's going to be a clear bust in sort of the same vein as these other guys like Raza Dowling, uh, Cyrus Jones. If he is the player that Bill Belichick and apparently Nick Saban think he can be, then he's going to be the next Rob Gronkowski. Just like a, a really, I mean, Gronks, and again, we're probably going overly lofty on the comparisons, <laughs> but Barmore could be one of the best players at his position in, in pretty short time. Yeah, and it's hard to find these interior defensive linemen that can pressure the quarterback, and that's what he did at Alabama, right? He was always pressuring quarterbacks. He did it. He was kind of a minister in the college football playoffs for them. He was always in the face of the QB. So those players are really hard to find nowadays, right? Those guys that are can line up inside and get to the passer. Um, and that kind of transforms your defense a little bit when you can find that guy. It's hard to find. Um, but I want to get your, your take on some of these other draft picks, Henry, because, I mean, 
coming in, I mean, the Pats were pretty loaded at linebacker, uh, but they went and got two. They got the outside linebacker and Ronnie Perkins in the third round. So they use a top 100 pick on him. And they also pick up this kid, Cameron McGrone from Michigan in the fifth round. And uh, it, it just felt like they they saw a need to get quicker and more athletic at that second level of the defense, right? Is that is that kind of what you're looking at when they when they went and grabbed these two guys? Especially McGrone seems like he's kind of an athletic kid that can can help them in coverage and, and like moving around the field a little bit. These two picks were clearly made for 2022. I think Cameron McGrone especially is a pick for 2022. He tore his ACL in November of last year. I just don't think he's going to get back in time. He's also really young. He uh, played just two seasons at Michigan. He redshirted one year. So you just don't have a lot of high-level football from him, uh, especially because he was sort of sitting behind Devin Bush. Um, Played really well when he got to replace Devin Bush, but again, tore his ACL. I think he starts the season on the non-football injury list. If you think back to a guy like Yadni Kajus, the tackle out of West Virginia, he sat his whole freshman year, or uh, I said I should say rookie year. <laughs> it's uh, all the for, same. Yeah, that works. Yeah, it's all the same. And um, unfortunately, he never contributed. I mean, he's still on the team, but he's not actually made any meaningful con- contributions. And that's kind of what happens when you take these guys who – they're going to need a medical redshirt year, and you think you can develop them during that year, but then they never get physically right, or they never quite develop in the way that you think they will. Um, so, But I think it's a good risk for him. I think that's kind of the right path for him. And then Ronnie Perkins, I just don't think he's going to get a ton of playing time because he's physically you know, a good player. He's just undersized, and I think with – Kyle Van Noy, Matthew Judon, Chase Winovich, Josh Uche, Loaded. and other edge players. I don't see Ronnie Perkins, a guy who's like really small for defensive end and needs to transition to outside linebacker. Because um, that's that was his position at Oklahoma, was was defensive end. But in New England's three-man front, he at at like 230 pounds, there's just no way he's playing defensive end. He's gonna stand up and play an outside linebacker position. So that's going to be a transition for him, and I don't see him getting ahead of any of these players that are experienced veterans until 2022. So I like what they did with those two picks, especially in this year's draft class, where, in my opinion, the starting talent basically disappeared after the second round. It was a weird year for the NFL draft because only, like, just under 600 players were draft eligible this year. Last year, 1,200 players were draft eligible. So you're looking at half the draft class, which means, like, honestly, probably the quality was not there. Um, and I think basically only the the first, second, third, and fourth round picks of this year's draft make the team. I don't really see any of the other guys making the team. McGrone will, will make the team because he's on injured reserve. The other players, it just I just don't think it's going to happen. That's that's an interesting take, and I think that's probably why we didn't see Belichick making a lot of trades, and, and that's, I think, why we saw a lot of GMs making trades back, Henry, stockpiling those seventh-round picks just to get a jump on the undrafted free agents because this was such a weird, you know what I mean? They almost treated the, the day three a little bit different with this draft class because... You're right. I mean, the player pool was so different. 
that was a really fascinating you know aspect of the weekend for sure. But so there's one more guy in in these top four picks. Maybe we could end it here. In Ramondre Stevenson, a running back out of Oklahoma, when you you turn on the highlights of this kid, he looks like Laguerre Blunt, right? That's the the comparison we keep getting. I think this is a player who's got a great chance to make the team because the Patriots really don't have a player like him. He can help on special teams. He's supposed to be one of the best pass protectors, you know, from the running back position in the draft class. And I just think he kind of fits the bill. You know, to go back to the Mac Jones thing, I, I said I, I'm predicting that Mac Jones gets the ball to start 2022. Uh, and I believe Belichick when he says this is Cam's team this year. I just feel like the Patriots are really going to focus with the tight ends and they go and get this bruiser running back that they can add to the mix a little bit. You got Cam Newton, that power rushing on short yardage. I just feel like you could really, you really see the Patriots going with like a tough physical run first approach throw to the tight ends off play action type of deal this year. I, I just feel like that's what a pick like Stevenson in the fourth round kind of signals. I don't know if you got the same. I don't know if it hit you the same way. I have a similar but different take on that selection. So I think we, we just talked about the quality of players available in the fourth round and beyond. And basically they saw Ramondre Stevenson as a player who could fill a very specific role in the offense. So he's actually really good on the goal line. I I was watching some game film, and and he's pretty good at punching it in. He's a bigger guy. But not all big guys are good at the end zone. Um, It doesn't necessarily mean you automatically win. So the Patriots want to get a little more multiple at the goal line, not just let Cam Newton run up in front of the middle every time. Another bad thing. I think in the that's bag exactly trick. right, though. Like Cam scored twelve touchdowns, and Cam Newton got stopped at the goal line against the the Seattle Seahawks, which then basically sunk the Patriots' season. Like obviously there were much bigger things at play where the Patriots were bad because they couldn't throw the ball, but that moment on the goal line was a turning point for their offense where they just kept doing the exact same thing until the Seahawks stopped them and then the Seahawks did and then it was sort of like a metaphor for the season it's a great point it was like the it was like that unicorn play that no one could stop and I kept saying it I'm like that plays unstoppable third and inches whatever a goal line just run it with cam they can't stop it and then they then they they finally get stopped and it's like oh no now what <laughs> that's a great point and the now what was like the Patriots didn't know. So <laughs> exactly. the, the Patriots, did, they they did a lot to address that, those bigger questions, but sort of on a micro scale, the selection of Stevenson was an effort to fix the goal line situation. They don't want their quarterback to have to be their goal line running back. They want a running back to be their goal line running back. And that, so that's sense. what Stevenson will do. Damian Harris and Sonny Michelle, they're just not power backs. Like they're both 215 pounds. In the NFL today, that's like big-ish for a running back. That's like average, but that's not big. And that's what Stevenson is a bruiser. Like, he'll hit you hard. And um, 230 pounds isn't LeGarrette Blunt, who was 250. But Stevenson's still oversized, I'd say, and will be able to play the role of bruiser. Like, he's going to beat up a defense physically. And Belichick values that guy. They like a guy who, when you have a lead, is going to really punch you in the mouth. Be like, "Yeah, you're. You think you can stop us? No, we're chewing clock. We're gonna. We're gonna leave bruises for tomorrow. We're gonna make you ache. We're gonna make it hurt." There's a psychological battle that Belichick likes to win, 
and he uses backs like Stevenson to do it. So if I had to guess what Stevenson's role will be in his rookie year, he'll probably score some touchdowns and do some pass protection and maybe some, if he gets, earns the respect of, of Belichick, especially with, with ball security, he may end up being that sort of like fourth quarter running back who, who, you know, choose five yards at a time and win the game for them. And then in the years, I think, to come, Sony Michelle, he, he didn't get his fifth-year option picked up, so he's going to be probably gone in 2022, which means that Harris and Stevenson will probably have maybe a 1-1 timeshare when it comes to running the ball in 2022. So um, that's probably, like, the best outcome for Stevenson's career. And But I think that's sort of the track that they – picked him to to follow yeah i like it that's good insight so it was uh it was a very belichickian kind of draft right except for the first pick that's the only departure we finally see belichick make a a draft a quarterback in the first round it's mac jones Uh, not the sexiest draft of the world but we got our quarterback so i'm here for it so i think i think next week henry there was a couple things on my list here that we didn't get to this week but next week we could maybe go in go in depth about maybe some of the winners and losers of this draft class, again, I keep saying it. You kept trading Stephon Gilmore, but the Patriots don't really draft a corner in this draft, and they didn't trade Gilmore, so he's definitely one of the winners. And So we could talk about that, and maybe we could start looking ahead to some of the position battles and some of the things that are coming down the pike in the summer entering training camp. I mean, we're going to start getting to the point now where we're counting down till we actually play football again. Uh, does that all sound good to you? Winners will, in, will, will include a hot shot receiver, who I accidentally got into trouble this season. <laughs> that was one of my favorite stories, actually, of the whole. Yeah, we, we could definitely revisit that one. And then losers will include a absolute fashion phenom. <laughs> That's my teaser for next week. I love it. Now I can't wait for that freaking segment. So, uh, so everyone, thanks for joining us this week. Make sure you join us next week. We'll talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.